Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm kind of, I was kind of betwixt and between this morning whether I was doing Mythbusters or if I was doing something else. And so that's the reason why I'm stalling up here. I'm trying to find the divine direction of the Lord, amen, here this morning because I want to do exactly. Just because I'm in a series doesn't mean I, the Lord can't lead differently, amen, and go another direction. So I'm just kind of pondering the Lord and thinking about God and, and wondering exactly what the Lord would have me to do today. Is that all right? nothing wrong with that at all uh, I, I will though I will tell you I won't do both okay <laughs> I won't do both amen just in case anybody's already ready to check out amen I will not do both today amen for the sake of it let's just skip that today because this just fell up on my heart really last evening and so I'll just go there I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter 29 the book of Exodus chapter number 29 We'll get back to Mythbusters whenever we get back to Mythbusters. But Exodus chapter number 29, I want to read just a, read just a few verses of Scripture there, amen, to give us a little bit of a, a context or a setting uh, this morning, if you will, just a little setting that we can understand some things. Uh, the book of Exodus 29 and verse, verse number 19. Verse number 19. And I, I may also read from Leviticus as well. May also read from Leviticus as as well this morning, just for a little setting of the scripture. They're, they're, these are really two parallels, because in the book of Exodus, what is given is God speaks to Moses what He wants him to do uh, concerning the temple, the tabernacle, the priest, the priesthood. He He is telling Moses what He wants him to do, and in the book of Leviticus, it is the the carrying out or the obedience to what the Lord had commanded Moses. It's the actual doing of it, the disposing of what was asked. And so this is what the Lord told Moses to do in Exodus 29 and verse 19. And this is just a few verses plucked from a series of things he told Moses to do. But he says, And thou shalt take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. Then shalt thou kill the ram, Take of his blood, put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, upon the thumb of their right hand, upon the great toe of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him. And he shall be hallowed and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. That is the commandment. If we can go to Leviticus 8 in verse number 30 in particular, Leviticus 8 verse number 30. This is the carrying forth of that, the carrying forth of that. Amen, of what took place. And I'm just going to read verse 30 to show that Moses went on and he obeyed the word of the Lord and actually disposed what was, what was commanded him in, in, in Exodus. Verse 30, the Bible says, And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron and upon his garments 
and upon his sons and put his sons and upon his son's garment with him and sanctified Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons. I know there's a lot of verbiage there and his son's garments with him. Amen. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. For a little while today. And again, this is probably not the best thought through title, but I want I want to speak to you today about our connection with the church, our connection with the church. All right. Our connection with the church. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you today. God, for your spirit. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the songs of Zion that have been sung in this place this morning. God, I'm grateful today for your spirit. God, that we have felt those that have received prayer and we have faith. God, that exactly what is needed will be taken care of, Lord, in their own individual lives. I pray, oh, Lord, you would guide my mind this morning as I try to, Lord, minister your word. I pray, Jesus, today, God, a direction I felt you pull up on my heart to go. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, fill my mouth, God, with appropriate words, Lord Jesus, for the people that are setting here today. And we'll thank you and praise you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Our connection, our connection with, with the church, with the church. Uh, what, what we read of here, and this, this maybe is not uh, any, anything new to some, but just for all of us that we can walk the path one more time. The, the, the man of God, Moses, had been at a period of time up into the mount of God. He'd received much instruction concerning what he was to do when he got back down the mountain. He had received instruction of the tabernacle, the pattern of the tabernacle in the wilderness how everything was to be fashioned and made. No detail was left out concerning even the very dimensions of each piece of furniture that was to be made. Not only had the Lord given great instruction concerning all the instrumentation of the tabernacle, but he also gave instruction concerning those who were to serve or operate and function inside of that tabernacle uh, Aaron the high priest and his sons as they would do the service around about the instruments that the Lord spoke of that table of shoe bread that lamp that was to ever be burning the altar of incense both the laver and the brazen altar in the outer court all of their activity concerning that and all of this was going to be a very a very holy thing uh, God he had all these furnishings made by the hands of men but the fashion and pattern of them was ordained by God yet he was going to have a time of dedication of the house of God a time of dedication and consecration uh, for those things that were going to be used for the glory and the holiness of the Lord not only was there going to be a dedication and consecration for the house of God itself but also that high priest and the priesthood were going to be dedicated and consecrated for the purpose and the work of the Lord and so what we read of in Exodus 29 is God speaking to Moses and he's telling Moses Moses this is how I want you to consecrate uh, not just the house but this is how I want you to consecrate the priest the high priest and the priesthood that are going to go in there and without going through all the drudgery of everything that was done I'll just hit the tops of the trees okay and he said, you're going to bring a young bullock and you're going to bring two, two rams and you're going to take the bullock and, and the, the priests are going to come and they're going to lay their hands upon it and they're going to put, put their hands upon it and after they do that, you're going to kill it. You're going to take the blood of that animal and you're going to put it upon the altar and put it at the base of the altar and all around about. And, and then that's going to be kind of like a sin offering for them for the sins that they have committed in their lifetime. It's going to be a sin offering for them. But you're going to take the first ram 
ram and you're again going to have them place their hands upon that ram and they're going to kill it and the blood it's going to be placed upon the altar and and there's going to be some blood there at the base of the altar and that's going to be a burnt offering uh, how now a symbol of the priests giving themselves wholly unto the Lord that's W-H-O-L-L-Y completely unto the Lord so they got their sin taken care of and then they were in a proper place to be totally and completely given unto the Lord and then there was another ram a ram that is spoken of like a ram of consecration for uh, the priest and his sons that was going to happen as well something though I want to point out this morning that is all of this was taking place in front of the whole house of Israel he said you gather the priests and these sons you take them to the entrance of the temple bring them all I want all Israel to witness what is happening as a matter of fact he says we're also going to use some holy anointing oil holy anointing oil that's after the art of the apothecary there's not another like it no individual can make another anointing oil like this anointing oil there's not to be another like it it's not to be laid upon a stranger but it's going to be laid upon my house and be laid upon my people that operate and function in that house it's only to be for them amen it's only to be for them and, and with everything that's mixed within that holy anointing oil there's going to be a certain particular pungent smell that comes with the holy anointing oil so that there is no other individual there is no other house that smells like my house there's no other people there's no other people that smell like my people that function and operate in that house and just by virtue that it's only used for them they're they're set aside they're sanctified for a purpose amen no no other uh, temple that's on a high place is going to smell like God's house smells no other people amen that operate or function in that house are going to smell like God God's people smells because they're ordered to function. They're prescribed to go in there and do as they would. But we're going to take that holy anointing oil. We're going to put it on the labor. We're going to put it on the altar. We're going to put it on the lampstand. Everything that we can touch. You're going to sprinkle that holy anointing oil that is particular to my house, particular to my people that operate my house. You're going to put it on everything. And you're going to put it upon Aaron the high priest. You're going to bring that and you're going to put it upon his head, the Bible says. Remember in Psalms talking about the unity, how good it is and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said it's like the oil that was placed upon Aaron's head and went down even to the skirts of his garment because there's something about that oil and its smell that brought a unification. There's similarity between his house and his people. There's a certain smell, a certain unity that's brought about by that oil. Amen. But you're going to take that blood too and there's going to be a lot of blood. If there's ever a lot of blood shed, it was always shed at the altar. I know there was blood sprinkled upon other portions of the furniture, but a large portion of the blood that you ever see in the tabernacle is at the altar. There's a lot of blood at the altar. From the young from the young bullock, it was there at the altar. From the first ram, it was there at the altar. The second ram, we see again, it was there at the altar that the blood, amen, was shed and it was put. And so these guys, they're, they're before the whole house. The high priest is anointed before them. Not only is he anointed before them, but the Bible says that they were washed before the people uh, before the eyes of all the people they were cleansed and washed holy and thoroughly before the people and after they were washed they were given garments to put upon 
It wasn't garments that they had at their own house. It wasn't garments from their own closet, but it was something that was given to them, that was placed on them and put upon them. So, so we have the Lord before having them before the people. They're being cleansed. They're being anointed. Uh, they're being given garments placed upon them, and he's consecrating them and sanctifying them for a purpose and for a plan. But whenever he begins to take the second ram and he sacrifices the second ram, he takes some blood of that second ram and he puts it up on the tip of that, that high priest and his son's right ear and upon their right thumb and upon the great toe or the big toe of their right foot. He does this for each and every one of them. And here is the priest, the high priest and his sons that operate in the tabernacle, that function in the tabernacle. And the Bible says as they are standing there in their garments that, that the Lord wants Moses to take the blood and the anointing oil and to sprinkle them with the blood and the anointing oil. Amen. But there was something that stood out to me as I read this. He told them, I want you to take the blood, not the blood straight from the sacrificial animal, take it from the animal and apply it and sprinkle it upon them. And not that they were taking necessarily a holy anointing oil with all of the particular ingredients that are in it, take it and directly sprinkle it to them. But he says, I want you to take the blood and the anointing oil from the altar. He says, I want you to take the blood and the anointing oil from the altar and you take that and you sprinkle that upon Aaron and upon his sons. He says, I don't want it coming straight from the animal and going straight to them. I don't want the oil that was fashioned come straight from the apothecary and going straight to them for the sprinkling, but I want it to pass by the altar. I want the blood and the oil that's on the altar to be scraped and somehow meshed off the altar and then taken and prescribed upon Aaron and upon his sons the priesthood those that are to function and operate in my house what are you doing God God was trying to make a connectivity between those that would operate and those that would function in his holy house his wonderful glorious house not just blood and oil but blood and oil that had been born on an altar first and then applied to the life of the priest and to the life of the high priest. What are you saying this morning, Brother McGee? I'm preaching the same old thing that we have preached for years. If there's one thing that the Lord want to make a connection between his church and the people that would function in his church, he says, let there be a connectivity of any piece of furniture. Let there be a connectivity with the altar. Let the blood and the oil, amen, from the altar. Let there be an application for that in the life of the priest and in the life of the priesthood. Someone say amen. amen. Oh, yes. I just come just to preach the same old, same old messages this morning, this morning. And that is this. We must have our connectivity to the church is by virtue of an altar. It's by virtue of an altar. He said, after I got that oil and after I got that blood from the altar and applied it to them, that set them apart, that sanctified them, that made them holy for my purpose, that made them holy for my use. But you can't get blood just from anywhere and you can't get just oil from anywhere. It's got to come through the conduit of an altar. It's got to... Yes, 
I got to preach the same old sermon again, Sister Craig. If there's ever a place in your relationship with God that your adversary is going to try to break down, try to corrupt, try to steal, try to trample on the foot, it will be your connection with the altar because your connection with the altar connects you to the church. Your connection to the altar connects you to what is holy. Your connection to the altar connects you. say hallelujah we need a connectivity amen to the altar today hallelujah holy anointing oil yeah it had a particular smell with it and that's great and fine but it had to be scraped off the altar why because whenever it went to the altar the altar is where the oil had been sprinkled the bible says notice if you read the whole of exodus 29 whenever they went through with sprinkling everything with the altar amen or in everything in the tabernacle when they did the lampstand when they did the candlestick when they did all of these things the shoe bread and they stopped at the altar the Bible says and he sprinkled it seven times at the altar he sprinkled it seven times at the altar everywhere a sprinkle here a sprinkle there but when he got to the altar he paused he took some time there not just a one time through but seven times I'm putting oil on the Every other piece of furniture have a little sprinkling of blood here, blood there. But there was a base to that altar, amen, that brazen altar, that they would even pour the blood. Some even spoke as though it was almost like a gutter, that they would just pour the blood at the altar. After they sprinkled everything, do you know where the excess blood went? It went to the altar. Whenever those boys were being anointed, there's something special that took place at that altar where the excess blood was, where the majority of the blood was, where the majority of the oil was. It was at the altar where the... Somebody hear me. Most of the blood, most of the oil was right there in that altar. And so you're going to take the oil and you're going to take the blood from that altar and you're going to apply it to the people. You're going to apply it to the priests. Why? Because what's happening? Since there's such an excessive amount of both of those at the altar, that's a good place where one intermingles and mixes with the other. So that whenever you place it upon the life of the priest and upon his priesthood, there is a mixing and a muddling of the blood. And there's a mixing and a muddling of the oil upon the life of the high priest that sets them apart to allow them to be able to function like they need to function in the house of God where they can lift up holy hands where they can give a shout of praise it prepares them for their service in the house of God but there's got to be someone say there's got to be there's got to be a blood and an oil that's taken from the oak Someone say amen. Hallelujah. And it prepares us for our work with the Lord. Brother McGee, that's Old Testament times. That's Old Testament times. You know, that, that, that's back then. What good today is this for us now? My Bible teaches me, you and I, that the Bible says that we have been made kings and priests. Peter spoke of us as a royal 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 priesthood and if we've been sanctioned for the role it's because we've been and had upon our lives an application of blood and blood and oil that came from 
an altar. Thank God for it. What's so important? What's so important? You know, the high priest Aaron had that oil without it coming from the altar placed upon his head. That oil was almost as a crown of his high priesthood as it was placed there. But the complete sanctification was not complete unless there was also oil found upon him that was muddled with blood and it came from an altar. We know in scripture the Bible says that the life of the flesh is where? It's in the blood. Now there's more to that than just the whole idea, remove the blood you did, okay? Just from the whole idea that, you know, it, it's, it's bringing nutrients to your body and taking away waste as the blood does. There's more to it than all that. Consider the life of the flesh is in the blood. They take your blood test to find out most if not, more if not most of everything in your body that's taken place. So much can be learned and derived from the blood. If I may say it like this, your life, how you live your life, can be discerned by your blood. What I'm saying is, for an animal, for an animal, the blood of the animal, by the pure blood of the animal, you knew what the life of the animal was. You knew concerning that animal's diet by its blood, its lifestyle. You knew if there was something problematic, wrong, infection, or something going on in the body of the animal by its blood. It was more than just the blood being life-sustaining, but the blood told the story about the life of the one it was extracted from. Hallelujah. And so in Old Testament times, he says you take that life's blood. That's the reason why they tried to the best of their ability to make sure those animals were undefiled. They were blameless. Because when the blood was being applied, they were applying the life of whatever the animal had lived to the one who was getting the application of the blood. So we want this to be blameless without defect because we don't want defective blood being applied to a life that we're trying to sanctify or purify. And so we're going to take it by the way of an altar. We're going to let the blood be taken to the altar first. Just in case, through our exterior observation, we miss something. We didn't get it. But if we take the blood by the altar, the Bible said that altar was holy. And whatever touched the altar became holy. If we can take the blood and put it at the altar, then we can take the blood from the altar and we can apply it to a light. That's Old Testament, yeah, but we've made kings and priests. Amen. Jesus set the pattern up for you and I. He set the pattern up. He did it in great concord, with great accordance with the Old Testament scripture. Why? Because he wanted his people to make the connection. He wanted his people to make the connection between the Old Testament sacrifice, the Old Testament blood, the Old Testament holy anointing oil, that there was nothing like it as a type and a shadow for something in the New Testament. He wanted to let that be an Old 
Old Testament, Old Testament shadow to bring us to a New Testament substance of what he was doing. Because I read in Scripture, the Bible speaks of Jesus Christ, that he was without sin. There was not even guile found in his mouth. If there was ever a perfect sacrifice as the Lamb of God, he was the perfect sacrifice. Not because he had to, uh, not because he had to, but because he wanted to link, he wanted to link the parallel with the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Bible says the night that he was apprehended, after he got up with his disciples from dinner, the Bible says he passed over Kedron to a place that he oftentimes prayed, that he oftentimes prayed, and over there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Someone hold on right here. Over there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's at the altar. Woo! He's at Gethsemane. Oh, the olive press where oil was exposed from the olives, where they were pressed and crushed to bring forth the oil of the olive. As a matter of fact, they say the purest oil is not that which is crushed from the olive, but that which drips from the olive of its own accord. And so I'm just, this is just a, a supposition here. Could it be that somewhere in that olive olive press sister Craig there were some already olives hanging up on the tree that were already willingly giving of some of their oil and dripping down from some of their trees there bishop there was already some oil that was following falling without being crushed yet Jesus in his hour of despair he's there crying oh Lord not my will but thine be done and Luke said he prayed so much that he prayed as though it were great drops of blood and at the altar in Gethsemane there was some oil and there was some blood For what purpose? Because there was a priesthood just on the other side of Calvary. There was a priesthood just on the other side of Calvary. There was a church in Acts 2 just on the other side of Calvary that was going to need some blood and going to need some oil, but it had to come from an altar. There was a church, there was a priesthood on the other side of Calvary that to meet the parallel of the Old Testament that would have to have blood and, and oil from an altar to be applied to the life. Not necessarily because it was necessary as Christ to do it. See, he was sinless. Always tempted like you and I are, yet without sin. But I got to set the parallel up for them so they understand. What's going on here? Woo! And so then consider with me today. The life of the flesh is in the blood. He's the spotless Lamb of God. He's the holy Lamb of God. He was met with temptation and testing. We understand the enemy testing him in the wilderness before his public ministry. He was met with temptation and testing, if you will, didn't succumb to it. And the life of his fleshly life. Woo! Jesus Christ's life was in Jesus Christ's blood. Woo! And so when we start to evaluate the blood of Christ, nowhere. When we start to evaluate the blood of Christ, miracle worker. When we start to evaluate the blood of Christ, 
Every sickness, every disease, every foul spirit bows in the blood. Somebody not hear me right now. He said there's a group of people on the opposite side of Calvary that they got some hang-ups. They got some heartaches. They've had some foul spirits. They've been defective with sickness and disease. They got some things going on. But if I can allow them to scrape some blood from the altar, Hallelujah. Whenever someday people look back upon them after they've had some blood from the altar, the only thing they can see is healing. The only thing they can see is being set free. The only thing they can see is the life that I live that's covering. Someone say yes. going to come to us we're going to operate and have that that element of connection with the church if it's anywhere if it happens or if it ever breaks down listen to me well it'll be because of what we are doing or not doing with our altar amen something special Happens at the altar. More oil there than anywhere else. More blood there than anywhere else. For what? The sanctifying. I could even say the unifying of God's people that were to serve, function, and operate in the tabernacle. There was a line. There was a marriage that took place there. There was a connection, a relationship between those who would function and the altar. Someone say we need an altar. We do. It connects us to his church. Connects us to his church. It connected the Old Testament priest and high priest to the tabernacle. It connects the New Testament church to the church. We need an altar. I need more than the aroma of the oil. I need the aroma of an oil that's been mixed with blood. Whenever, whenever the gospel had first come to, I read whenever the gospel had first come to Africa, there were some of the early converts that they became so compassionate so compassionate about prayer that they had built their own private prayer huts. And each hut was set aside for just one person, no more but the person who built it frequented it. It wasn't a shared prayer hut. It was their closet of prayer, so to speak. That was their prayer hut. They were the only one who frequented that hut. And it was set back behind and just a little bit beyond the hut that they lived in, the hut that they lived in, had their daily life in. Their prayer hut was just set back a little back from there, Brother Freddie. And so, as it were, they were the only one who used it. If someone, listen to me, this is just amazing within itself. If someone neglected the altar, someone neglected their prayer and the loving discipline of prayer, guess what happened? 
the grass between their dwelling and the prayer hut wasn't trodden like a well-worn path. <laughs> it may have been tall and just like all the other grass around their dwelling and prayer hut because they had failed in their discipline of prayer so that not only did they know it, but their neighbors next door knew whether or not so-and-so frequented the hut like they should because if they had done it every day, there would be no grass growing on a busy street. There wouldn't be no grass growing on a busy street. So much so they said even in that little community, sometimes a brother or a sister in a hut next to them with love and care they wouldn't say anything like, hey, you're not praying, you need to get busy. They wouldn't say anything like this. All they had to say was this. I notice there's a little bit of grass growing on your path. Notice there's a little grass growing on your path. That's all that needed to be said. That person knew in the moment, I've not kept with the discipline of prayer because have I, if I did, there'd be a well-worn path between my home and the altar. My home and the altar. Ladies and gentlemen, I gotta tell you, there is a significant difference when the priesthood has not had the blood and had not had the oil that can be scraped from the altar. There is a difference in our services. There's a difference in our attitude. There's a difference in our life style whenever we somehow skipped out on the part of getting blood and oil from the altar you're saying hey I still feel God that's great but it makes a grand difference when you went to where there's excess blood and excess oil which is the altar and allow that to be sprinkled upon your life and flavor your life and flavor all the dynamics of your life Maybe we need to adopt the old words of the old Africans then. We don't have to tell anybody, hey, I noticed you've been slipping on prayer. Just say, hey, I've noticed some grass been growing on your path lately. Can someone say amen? I noticed a little bit, a little bit of grass growing on your path lately. Someone say hallelujah. It's not just what Gethsemane did with providing the oil, if you will, or even the blood as great drops of blood there. But all throughout Old Testament Scripture, many times the altar, the meaning of altar in Old Testament was basically this. It was the slaughtering place, the killing place. And so the cross of Calvary within itself, we oftentimes promote as it being an altar because it was the slaughtering place or the killing place, if you will, of that perfect lamb of God. But it's also the place. You remember what Jesus said to those that were crying and bemoaning him for what was about ready to take place? You remember? And the people were getting it right. He were, they were getting it right. Let the blood be upon us. Let the blood be upon us and upon our children. Man, they were getting it right. They might have said it with the wrong intent or motive, but they were getting it right. That's exactly what needed to happen. They needed to have a covering. They needed to have a covering. 
with that life of the flesh that was in the blood that whenever they looked at Paul McGee Sr. years from now, if he's had the blood that came from an altar, they'll say, hey, that's the reason why whenever Saul, amen, the Old Testament scripture had had his change and he, he was given a new heart and a new spirit the Bible spoke of after he met with the prophets and prophesied among the prophets after he had met with Samuel and Samuel told him, you're going to go among the prophets, you're going to prophesy, God's going to touch you, his spirit's going to come upon you, you're going to have a new heart. That's the reason why all of that happened. Those that had known Saul aforetime said is this the son of Kish is this the same man why he wasn't acting like the same man he didn't look like the same man he didn't sound like the same man he didn't smell like the same man why because there was a blood of Christ there was a blood there was there was his life was being hit there was a new life that was being seen because of blood and oil that was taken from an altar and applied to a life it's our connection someone say it's our connection it's our connection to the church it's our connection to to those things that are holy, those things that are righteous, those things that are blessed of God, the altar, the altar, the altar, the altar. It's our connection. Someone say glory. Someone say hallelujah. To hallow them. To hallow them. To hallow them. This must, this must in certain modes and measures be our prayer. If there's been a disconnect from the tabernacle, it's probably there's been a disconnect from the altar. That's, that's what I want you to understand. There's been a disconnect from the tabernacle. It's probably been a, a disconnect from the altar. Talking about a real disconnect. I'm not talking about still going through the ritualistic formalism duties of whatever took place in the holy place. Sometimes we get that one down pat. We know what should be done at the shoe bread and what should be done at the lampstand and what should be done at the altar of incense. But we can have all that and still have a disconnect. Because nobody scraped any oil or any blood from the altar. And let there be application to the life. Years ago, I don't want to hold you much longer, but years ago, Sir Francis Drake, he once prayed a prayer that was later quoted by, by a missionary that was named Jeannie Courier. One of her prayer letters. And this prayer is, is the prayer that Sir Francis Drake one time prayed, and it went something like this. He said, Disturb us, Lord. When we are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come too true because we dream too little. When we arrive safely because we've sailed too close to shore. Disturb us, oh Lord. If you'll stand with me this morning. Got to have a connectivity. Connectivity. At the altar. It was spoken again to Moses in Exodus to do this. But in Leviticus is the disposing or the obedience to what the Lord had said. And Moses wanted everybody to understand that was in that crowd that day that had gathered at the entrance door of the temple. Lest they think this is something that he contrived. Something that he dreamed up or manufactured and fabricated by himself. He made it known to the people. You know, God seemingly spoken to Moses in private. It's not like he had an audience around when God was speaking these things. 
And so he wanted the people to know as they gathered to witness what was happening. He's saying, this is what Moses is really conveying to them. I'm just doing exactly what God wishes. I'm doing what the Lord commanded me to do. I'm doing what the Lord commanded me to do. So, priest, if there's any sanctification, if there's anything like that's going to happen in your life, then I got to take the blood and the oil that's from the altar. And he said, I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. This is, this is commanded and sanctioned by God. That gives whole new meaning for me personally. When I think of the significance of my connect, connectivity to the church by virtue of an altar, this is not... This is not pastor saying we need to pray. This is God saying. If you're going to function like I need you to function. And operate like I need you to operate in my house. Then it's going to require the blood and the oil that comes from an altar. connection to the church the altars our connection to the church the blood and the oil must come from there if we can just bow our heads in this place this morning i open this altar today we open this- thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day